Yeah, possible. Interesting. You guys can't hear me eating, can you? I can't. Uh, can you hear me eating? Uh, no. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think that it's... Welcome back, I'm Erin, and I'm here with Ethan and Scott, and this is a short bonus episode that the three of us recorded back in March. Well, and it was right after we had first linked up and started talking about the case, and then we decided we would do a podcast episode. And the reason I had originally scrapped this episode was because the bulk of what we talk about was the damage to the Saturn, and about a week later we got the black box data. So a lot of what we talked about had been superseded by the new data. So we put all this work into this other episode, but then we started thinking about it. Well, actually, you started thinking about it. Yeah, well, because we didn't just talk about the damage. We also talked about a third witness that we call Witness C, and I don't think most people have even heard about Witness C. Right. So as always, feel free to reach out to us with any questions or comments, and we'll be posting Scott's pictures of the Saturn in the official Facebook group, as well as on my website at the107degree.com. Scott, I know you've been on the Missing Maura Murray podcast with Tim and Lance and Gail Trotter's podcast, but do you want to introduce yourself again? Again. I've done it a lot. Several times, like just today, probably. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm Scott Wall. I've helped the family for about 10 years with uh, various things. Some of it's social media, a lot of it's social media related. Um, And uh, I mean, that's who I am. (laughs) i have a feeling that people listening to us probably know who you are by now maybe by now they might know yeah so i actually was really impressed with gail's podcast because she didn't know anything about moore's case other than the the miles to nowhere episode and the podcast i did with tim and lance yeah i i actually I, i used to recommend the true crime garage first episode that they they did of of Maura Murray as like a good synopsis of the case, but I think Gail's is better. It's a I, really good introduction, I think. I was really impressed with how well she did, and she structured it really well, too. Mm-hmm. She already knew about the case because she had watched some other videos and listened to the other podcasts, but the way that she did it is she knew that it was going to be for her listeners. Mm-hmm. Like she was asking the questions even though she already knew the answers. Right. I guess she literally is a pro. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I mean, she's on... <laughs> She's on Fox every week, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, What's that face? What's the problem? No, no problem. I, I was just gonna say uh, I used to try to do that. Our first few episodes, I would be like, yeah. "Oh, uh, and what is the uh, such? You know, uh, yeah, who is witness at? You know, because you would. Aaron gave no shits whatsoever. I learned that today. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. I have a tendency to get a little narrow cast. So one thing I wanted to 
to talk to you about or the pictures that you took? Yeah. So when did you go up to New Hampshire? When I took those pictures, I believe that that was, you know, to be honest with you, we should look at the pictures because I bet you there's a date stamp on there. I don't even remember what year it was. I'd been up there a bunch of times. But uh, one of the reasons I ended up going taking pictures of the car was the very first trip that I did up there, I was like anybody else where I went online and I was like looking for footage or photographs of the case of the car of like the drive down. And I remember that there was one video that was like really shaky of like driving down to the tree. And, um, I remember telling Helena like, well, Hey, I, I've got some camera gear. Like I'll, uh, I'll set, set something up and record better footage for you. So I had a GoPro. I just basically stuck it on the windshield of my truck and, um, recorded the video in 1080p and then just drove from like right where you turn onto 112 and it goes about three and a half miles down to the tree. So then I went to give that footage to Helena and that was also the first time I met Helena. I sat down with her at a restaurant and with uh, Norma. Do you know who Norma is? Um, I've heard you mention her, but I don't really know. Yeah, so I've never met her. Yeah, Norma's still around. Uh, I see her on Facebook occasionally. She's also a, a Murray. She's in the family. I'm not exactly sure how she's related, but I know that she worked a lot with Helena in the beginning. Um, they talked a lot about the case. But anyway, so I met Norma and Helena at a restaurant with my climbing partner that was with me. And I showed them the, just the video footage of us driving down to the tree. And they were like, oh, this is awesome. Can we have it? And I said, of course. So I gave it to them. And then like Helena's like, well, can you edit the footage for me? Because I don't know how to edit it. So I was like, okay, so I'll edit it. And then I put some music to it. And that video has actually been floating around forever. It's really simple. I think it's labeled Mora's Last Known Drive. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how many people have watched that video and have no clue that has anything to do with me. Yeah, myself included. So, and then what's even funnier is how many times I've seen my truck on national television. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Because they take that footage of driving down to the tree and then they use clips of that. And I think it's so ridiculous, right? Because Maura was driving this like little Saturn and my truck is like a big F-250 with 37 inch (laughs) tires and it's like four inch lift. It's like, it is the absolute complete opposite but anyway, so I've seen the footage get used everywhere. So um, that's how I kind of got involved with like video and photographs and stuff like that. And then the second time I went up there, I was like realizing that there were no good photographs of the car. Mm-hmm. Like everything was kind of like just a secondhand photo that was maybe like scanned from an actual mm-hmm. like 35 millimeter print. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I know the car is just sitting at Troop F out in the field, you know, like anybody has access to it. So I went up and I talked to the troopers there and they said, yes, you can go photograph the car. They kind of had some weird rules. They wouldn't let me shoot any pictures of the interior, hmm. which I thought was kind of strange. Hmm. Um, and they wouldn't, they didn't want to let me in the car. Like, I mean, that not, not, not that sense, I but... wanted to get in the car, but they wouldn't like open a door so I could take a picture or anything. They didn't even want me to like hold the camera up to the glass and take like an interior photo. So I thought that that was kind of strange. But anyway, they let me take all the pictures I wanted of the exterior of the car. Okay. So anyway, I took all those pictures and uh, it's no photo photo genius. I won't win any awards. They're really good quality though. Um, like I can zoom in pretty far. But yeah, the, but the resolution, I think, I think that the camera that I had at the time, I think it was like a Nikon D200 or 300. And I think, so I think the resolution was like 16 megapixel or 20 megapixel, something like that. Um, it's not bad. But anyway, so I took a bunch of photos of the car and... To be honest with you, it, they actually haven't been very relevant, I feel like, until more recently, as people seem to be discussing a lot more of, did her car 
impact another car. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like talk on social media that they say, oh, there's only damage to the hood. Mm-hmm. They seem to miss that there's actually a lot of damage to the lower bumper. Yes. And uh, if you look at the photographs that I took, there's actually quite a bit of damage to the lower bumper as well. Yeah, well, the whole lower bumper is, it's like hanging. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. can you give like a ballpark of maybe when these were taken? Because this must have been post Terry O'Connell. Right? That's what I think too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember when I showed those pictures to Helena, she's like, oh, the, the bumper's way screwed up. And I think that uh, they had to pry the hood open to get to the black box. And so there was some additional damage done. I mean, and the other thing too and is- I'll just, just say Terry O'Connell is, <laughs> probably should say who he is because I don't think yeah. most people know. He did the um, some of the forensics of the car for, for the Murrays. Okay. Uh, in the process, he, he sort of like took apart the lights in like the front. Yeah. You know what I find interesting about this? I'm just looking at this now and thinking about, uh, you know, I've seen- the car before and i've had thoughts about well you know it's interesting you see the clear dent in the hood on the right side i'm sorry on the left side if you're in the car but what's interesting is like the headlights are all screwed up but they're not damaged in any way there's like no damage to the headlights whatsoever they're not cracked certainly not shattered well i think that one myth that i hear a lot is that there was no right front damage to the car and that's not true if you look at the pictures you can see the fenders buckled on both sides. You can see the hood is bent on both sides. Yeah. I mean, it looks like there's an impact on on the left side, but also it looks like the front of the car was really, from the bumper, was pushed inward, and that caused the buckling on the fender on the yep. right side, and the hood to kind of buckle up as well. And I think there's buckling on both fenders, on yes. the right and left fender. Yeah. So every, everybody focuses on that dent in the left front corner, and I understand why, because that's it's very prominent, like that sticks out. And in a lot of the photos that were floating around online, those photos kind of like highlight that. Like they, they're not really showing you like a full picture of all of the damage of the car. And so like in a lot of the photos, like when I went back and was reviewing them, it's just obvious that there's a lot more damage other than just the dent in the hood on the left side. So... Do you think that anything that Terry O'Connell did to the car would cause that kind of damage? Not, not, I don't think the buckling of the hood... And I don't think the the buckle or like the dents on the fenders on either side. I could see how maybe trying to get into it, he dislodged the bumper. Mm-hmm. I could see that, and I could see like maybe maybe the dents. Um, like I don't know if he like had to pry against the hood where the dent is on the left side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about how we don't think that the car hit a tree. I'm always open to other arguments and being convinced but like it was one of the things that i felt pretty sure of especially because we had guy parody who's a accident reconstructionist like come and say he didn't think it hit a tree and terry o'connell told me he didn't think it hit a tree but like if you can explain your your theory scott because i i I think it's it's really interesting well it's so i'm not like a hundred percent that i think this is what happened but uh what made me start to think about it again was, is that there's three witnesses, uh, right? There's A, B and C, or A and B. And then C, I believe is my witness. That person that I talked to, they say that the car had, uh, gone into some, it looked like it had gone into some small shrubs or bushes. And then when I spoke with Fred at the 15 year anniversary, we were talking a little bit about that because I said, well, you know, they said that there were some small trees, 
that looked like it had gone into, but they said that the trees were later removed. And actually Fred told me that he remembers damage to the trees, like these small trees where the car, he had thought the car had hit. And then he also confirmed that those trees are no longer there anymore. Is there anyone who would be able to comment on the removal of trees in that area? Because I, I had never heard that before. That's very interesting. The idea that there was maybe some small trees that were subsequently removed. Because right now, there's no trees anywhere there where I could envision her having struck right. in any way well, whatsoever. I mean, like I said, like Witness C remembers there being trees there. Right. And then Fred remembers there being trees there. And Fred... And Witness C said that the trees were at a later time removed. Yeah, but there could be other residents of the town who might recall the removal of those trees. Well, they could only have been removed by two people, right? Either it was the town or it was the property owner. Like, right. no one's going to come by and, like, randomly take down trees. So if it was the property owner, we can just ask. Like, that, that'd be the only way that you could figure it out. But if it sure. was the town, somebody had to pay for it. So there should be a record i don't know how specific or detailed it might be could be just under a line item budget but there's probably at least some some record of it hmm. yeah yeah well and just because the town is responsible for a certain you know tract of land if if the owner of that land decides i don't want that tree there and the town is not removing it you know the owner might go ahead and take care of it even though they might say well the town's supposed to do that if they don't take action and they want to get rid of that tree or bush or shrub or whatever. Right. What are you looking for, Aaron? Um, I have the annual report from 2004. I'm seeing if there is any, like, tree budget. <laughs> Jeez. So my possible theories to try to fit everything together is, is that the car did not go off the road where the witnesses said that they think it went off the road. Mm -hmm. Instead, it went off the road closer to the turn, closer to the barn. So I've always struggled with how did the car get so far down the road from the turn? Because yeah. I always felt like if she lost control on that turn, that she would have gone off the corner much sooner than where the car ended up. But I mean, I guess if you try to place both of these testimonies from both Fred and, you know, Witness C, uh, you know, the thought is, is maybe as you know, she was losing control, but didn't lose control right away as she's coming around the turn. So mm -hmm. she's trying to navigate the turn, but is starting to go wide. And then the car ends up kind of riding up the snowbank, hitting these small trees on the left side as the car's kind of flipping around. Mm -hmm. That's the best that I can put it together to try to match with these, with both people are telling me. But I thought it's possible maybe it did go off the road, like on the, other side of the tree closest to the barn. I've thought that this is a possibility. I have no proof. It's all theory. I mean, I think it's a plausible one when you explained it to me. And I think it can't be discounted because both Monahan and Atwood said that she hit a tree. And I think Atwood specified a pine tree. Yeah. That said, though, if that theory is accurate, that it was actually trees that she hit and it was close to the barn, then it had to have been moved at some point. Like it had to have been in two locations because there's no way that somebody driving an SUV could park parallel in front, like bumper or nose to nose on the corner. But I also think too, she could have gone off right there. And then again, we'd have to look more at the data from the car, mm -hmm. but gone off right there. Potentially she was able to get the car started again and back it up. 
if you listen to the Marats, the Marats talk about seeing backup lights. They thought that the car moved. So I'm wondering, did she come around the corner, go off the road, over the up over the snowbank before the big tree? Like there's kind of like a little field with shrubs and stuff there. But then at some point gets the car restarted. Now, if you go there in person, you'll notice that there's a ditch right there that's like in front of that big tree. And I could see how it could be very possible that if she had gone off the road in that corner right there and then tried to back out, that she could have gotten the car stuck. And it's a possibility of trying to get the car out. She just kept backing up to try to get the car out to the point that it just was stuck. And I think that that could have happened fairly quick. Like, I mean, you yeah, know. maybe you can also put it in neutral and move it without the engine on. I mean, that car weighed like yeah. 2000 pounds probably. Yeah. But I mean, but keep in mind though, that the snow in the ditch, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if it was in neutral, that's like flat ground. So she would have to get out and push. Yeah. That's what I mean. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Yeah. She would. Yeah. She could push the car. Well, on flat ground. <laughs> but if it, if the wheels were in the ditch there, I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. I mean, I think the bottom line is is that it seems like there's a lot of inconsistency yes. with different reports um, where the car was that night and how it was placed. And I think that there's some theories that maybe tie a lot of it together. But one theory that, that in my mind that ties a lot of it together is, is that after she had her, her initial accident, that at some point she was able to get the car restarted and tried to move it out of the ditch or get it unstuck. And so then that could potentially account for some witnesses seeing the car facing one direction and then some some witnesses seeing the car facing the other direction. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, all of this might be a non-issue <laughs> if the state would just release the photos. No so. kidding, right? I mean, that would be an interesting exercise is to like try to find some original photos pre-Terry O'Connell mm-hmm. and yeah. see. Well, there know. were photos taken that night. There's seven of them. I requested them, but they will not release them. So I actually have a question for you, Aaron, because I, I had also heard that there were photos that were taken of Mora's car, but I heard that they were taken the night of the accident, like at the accident scene. Is that what you heard? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's also very interesting that those have never been released. Right. I think it would clear up a lot of confusion on what happened with the accident. And I'm not sure I understand why. I mean, I can give you the reason that they gave me. What, they, did, they, what did they say? They cited the Murray exemption which is the lawsuit that Fred Murray filed against the state in 2006 that said that if there's an ongoing case, um, they don't have to release records. But I thought I thought when uh, Fred went to court for all of that stuff that it was like, it was kind of like a win and not a win was like kind of the way it was explained to me. Like, I thought they basically said that they had to release certain records, but that things that could be deemed detrimental to the investigation could still be withheld. But then I heard a lot of the stuff that got released back to Fred was literally all the crap that they had already given yeah, the police. Like, right. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. we talked about this a lot, but basically at, at the Supreme Court level, it was like a very solid victory for Fred. They right. said like the lower court improperly didn't review the information. They basically allowed the state to just carte blanche not release information and the supreme court said like no they didn't give enough detail they didn't explain themselves and so it went back to the lower court and the lower court basically ruled the exact same way they did before the state modified their argument very slightly they created additional categories of information to satisfy from their perspective what the supreme court had said 
and didn't release any additional documentation. They did, however, have to explain to a judge in in camera review why they were withholding the records in many cases. So yes, but we don't know what happened there, of course. But yeah. right, right. But at least it's like it's a check and balance. It's some level of accountability. So that that is a win. It's not a win for the Murrays because they don't get the information. But at right. least someone is reviewing it that should theoretically be a neutral arbiter. Yes. I um, wonder who that neutral, if there is still the a neutral arbiter. Like, cause that well, case happened a long time ago, right? So like as new information comes forward, is there a constant review process? No, there's no. not. So this no. is what was very frustrating about them citing the Murray exemption. It was predicated on the fact that the records have to be reasonably expected to interfere with an enforcement proceeding. Um, but for that to be the case, there has to be a reasonable expectation that there will be a law enforcement proceeding. And by virtue of it being a cold case, like it's by definition cases where there are no leads and where you don't have an expectation that there'll be a law enforcement proceeding. So like clearly this is out of date, but in order to to challenge it, I would have to sue sue. I'd have right. to file a claim. Yeah, because they've basically made a claim that they are in compliance with that ruling and they are clearly not mm-hmm. and yet the only way to demonstrate that they're not is to is to take them to court right having looked at that judgment that the lower court issued i really felt like they did not meet the requirements as laid out by the supreme court especially there was a couple of the judges on the supreme court that asked like extremely probing questions where they're like i don't understand how you can basically say that every single document would jeopardize the investigation yeah the case law is pretty clear that you can't do that. The burden is on the state to demonstrate mm-hmm. how it would interfere with the investigation. Just by being in an investigatory file, that's not a reason to withhold it. Yeah. So, like, I do think that if, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but, like, I do think that if this was challenged again, the things that they said the first time around will come back to kill them. Yeah. Strelzen testified under oath that there was a 75% chance of prosecution on a case. Yeah. Fred's impression of that is that he made that up. That he really didn't have. Yeah, we've we've talked about. We that. have yeah, we have discussed that possibility. Yes. Yeah. To be fair to the police, the idea of going through like several thousand documents and being sure that every specific one is like is or is not going to jeopardize the case, like that's a tremendous amount of work. So I understand why mm-hmm. they would not want to do that. Absolutely, and I'm sympathetic to that argument, but it is the law. Right. I mean, the the law requires right. them to do it. And so there's a balancing that can be struck. Yeah. yeah. Also, f- for people that want to know, I know that I posted um, the videos of the Supreme Court hearing mm-hmm. on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I use them in our episode. Thank oh, you. you. I appreciate yeah. that. Oh, one of the things that I hope this doesn't catch you off guard, but one thing that you said in, um, in Gail's podcast was your theory was that she was heading to North Conway. And yeah. I'm curious what that's based on. Well, I mean, again, just a theory, right? Okay. So just a theory. But here, here's why. So I've that's usually where I go when I go that direction. When I take time to go ice climb and I go to the North Conway area, you literally drive through Bartlett. Like Bartlett is next to North Conway. Mm-hmm. And North Conway is... It's kind of like it's a it's a neat place because you're still out in the middle of New Hampshire in the middle of nowhere, but it's like for me it's like a little miniature northern Virginia. Yeah. So like there's outlet stores and like there's really great restaurants and there's tons of hotels. So there's a lot of things in that area. It's a big ski resort, there's a lot of ski shops, that sort of stuff. 
So I guess my thought is, is that we don't know for sure that she ever made a reservation anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if you were heading over towards that direction, um, Bartlett is like this little dot on the map that's like hardly anything compared to North Conway, which is ginormous that's right next to it. So my thought was, is if you need a hotel, you're probably, we're not going to conveniently find one in Bartlett. Mm -hmm. So I know that that everybody talks about Bartlett. Um, I mean, everybody knows why. But so my thought was, is just if you're heading that direction and you haven't made reservations, you have all of these hotels and options and places to eat. You wouldn't have to make a reservation ahead of time. And so there's just all this stuff that's just right there for you at your convenience without having to pre-plan anything. You know, what's interesting about North Conway, if you take the road she was on 112 Mm -hmm. and you just keep going, you come to Conway and then Conway is south of North Conway. Right. So that was my hunch. Well, it's really interesting because of the two extensive dog searches that they did outside of the, the crash radius. One of them was in Lincoln, which may or may not be linked to Loon Mountain. The other one was North Conway. Uh, and there's no, we don't know why, maybe somebody does, but I have no idea why, why that search was done there specifically and not in Bartlett, but North Conway. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it just makes sense. It would, it would, it would kind of be like, you know, let me stay at this little hotel that might not even be open at eight or nine o'clock when I roll in or... Again, like I just drive a few more miles up the road and here's all of this stuff. I mean, just options and options and options of stuff. 